From the Cincinnati Daily Commercial, I'm Murray Halstead. And I'm Gwendolyn Richards. And this is your Queen City Bulletin for April 22nd, 1861. The City Council held a special meeting on Saturday evening. Councilman Fitzgerald offered a resolution to apply to the legislature for the enactment of a law to enable the city to borrow $200,000 for providing for the defense of the city. After some discussion, the resolution was withdrawn. The council president, in a reply to a question from Judge Warren, said that he had the assurance of the governor of Ohio that ample provision was making to place Cincinnati in a state of defense, both in regard to men and arms, and that at present no more troops would be dispatched from this city to the east. Mr. Wiesner detailed a conversation he had with Governor Dennison, who assured him that the whole military power of the state, if needed, should be invoked for the defense of the city. Mr. Marsh then presented a resolution to instruct the mayor to request the merchants of the city to suspend the sale of gunpowder, saltpeter, and potash to any parties outside the state of Ohio. Mr. Wiesner moved as an amendment that pork and flour be added to the list. Mr. Marsh opened the amendment and a warm discussion ensued, after which, by almost unanimous request of the board, the subject was referred to the Committee on Military Affairs. Yesterday, crowds of our citizens wended their ways to Camp Harrison, some in carriages and buggies, many in omnibuses, and hundreds on foot. 750 vehicles passed the toll gates on Avenue Road alone. No one was denied admission to the camp, and good order was maintained. The troops had, in addition to their creature comforts, in a seasonable supply of fresh meat and loaf bread. They had got the hang of the camp kettles, too, and every man enjoyed his coffee and porridge with appetites whetted by the active duties of camp life. In the evening at 6 o'clock, the first dress parade was held in Camp Harrison. We went upon the ground as the troops were forming, and we were surprised to see with what exactness the movements were made, and how perfect was the alignment. Two regiments numbering about 1,600 men extended almost entirely across the large central field, and when the men were all in position and standing at attention, notwithstanding the motley variety of clothing and the absence of uniform, their appearance was decidedly impressive. When the parade was formed, Major Bosley of the Guthrie Gray Regiment, in command of the column, Mentor's band played the troop up and down the column, first in common and afterwards in quick time. The usual orders were given for rear rank, open order, march. The officers came to the front. The adjutant made his report to the chief of brigade commanding, and every movement was made with perfect precision and correctness. Upon receiving the adjutant's report, Major Bosley addressed the men as follows. Comrades, we are about to unfurl the stars and stripes for the first time in Camp Harrison, the stars and stripes under which it is our proud privilege to be enrolled. I want every comrade to give three hearty cheers when these stars and stripes are raised. Are you ready? At a signal, the national flag was then raised over the general's quarters, and as the bunting floated to the breeze, not only three cheers rent the walking, but three times three deafening shouts burst out from 1,600 throats. There was no mistaking the earnestness of purpose that prompted the greeting of the star-hemmed banner. In amusements, tonight the National Theater will present for the first time in the city a new dramatization from the New York Ledger called Moses Oran, or The Burglar and Detective. John and Effie Elsler star with Miss Mary Radcliffe and Mr. Wood Benson. The evening will conclude with a grand fancy dance by Miss Stella Mason. At Smith and Dixon's Hall, performances continue of Holy and Campbell's minstrels in their unique, original, and unapproachable Ethiopian entertainments. Doors open at 7 to commence at 8 o'clock. Tickets are 25 cents. Next month, the Atlantic Monthly will commence Agnes of Sorrento, a new novel by Mrs. Harriet Beecher Stowe, author of The Minister's Wooing and Uncle Tom's Cabin. The romance will be published in installments throughout the year. 
During the progress of the story, Mrs. Stowe will trace the influence of the Roman Catholic faith upon the intellectual and moral development of a young girl, her heroine, in the same manner and with the same power with which she depicted in the minister's wooing the influence of the Protestant faith. Today's show is brought to you by the Cincinnati Venereal Hospital. Established in the year 1850 for the cure of private diseases and under the control of two of the most eminent physicians in the world. Dr. E. Bonaparte from the London and Paris hospitals and Dr. E. B. Reynolds, late of New York. This is the only office in the city where a permanent cure of private diseases can be obtained without the use of mercury or change of diet. Gonorrhea, cured in 6 to 48 hours. Gleet, cured in 3 to 10 days. Nocturnal admissions, stopped in 2 to 6 days. Seminal weakness, cured in two to three weeks. Syphilis in its primary stages, cured in three days. Secondary stages, cured in one to three weeks. Impotency, vigor restored in one to four weeks. Doctors Bonaparte and Reynolds are the men to consult. They are unquestionably acknowledged to be the champion and king of venereal diseases and the only doctors who receive monthly reports from the old world. You can find them at 182 Sycamore Street, between 5th and 6th Streets, office hours 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. The exhibition of the Young Men's Gymnastics Association, which was to have taken place at Pike's Opera House, has been postponed. All those persons who were furnished with tickets to sell will please refund the money and return the tickets to Messrs. Healy, Rogers, or Carey at the gymnasium. Attention, Patriot Soldiers! The office of Colonel Peter J. Sullivan, northwest corner of 3rd and Sycamore Streets, is now open for the enlistment of bold and fearless men for the support of the Constitution and the laws of the United States and the state of Ohio. It is made headquarters for the organization of a militia company. Several of our best and most respectable citizens have enrolled their name in this organization. The steamer, City of Madison, captained by J.S. Neal from New Orleans, came in yesterday afternoon with the stars and stripes flying from her jackstaff. She was vociferously cheered all along the line of the river from Louisville here. The Memphis Packet commercial, bearing the secession flag, was not permitted to remain in New Albany and lowered her colors while ascending the falls before arriving at the Louisville Wharf. The express train due here at 5 a.m. yesterday on the Little Miami Railroad at the Charleston switch ran into a freight train, injuring a colored boy, smashing a number of freight cars, and piling up things generally. We had time in our Saturday edition barely to allude to the aerial flight of the famous Professor Lowe. Mr. Lowe, desiring to make a purely experimental trip previous to his long-contemplated transatlantic voyage, conducted all the preliminaries with great secrecy and dispatch. His balloon, made of the best silk, has a capacity of over 30,000 cubic feet, and was in all respects the best-made and staunchest airship we have ever seen. The work was conducted in the west end of the commercial hospital lot, a high fence protecting him and his operations from public notice. This freedom from the annoyance of curious visitors enabled him to bring everything to readiness for starting on Friday. About 11 o'clock that evening, the gas was turned in rather slowly. The bright light of the moon, shining from a cloudless sky, enabled him and those he had employed to assist him to work without let or hindrance. The process of inflation was nearly completed by 2 o'clock Saturday morning. The car, a large willow basket secured to the hooks, blankets, provisions, meteorological and other instruments arranged for convenient observation, and the allotment of ballast required dropped in. No sight could have been more favorable to the purpose, almost a dead calm. So little air astir that the huge monster swayed neither to the right nor the left, but remained quiet till the signal was given. 
and it rose slowly and stately, clearing the fences and housetops, and fading out in the night air, looking like a thin cloud, then as a faint nebula, its course only to be traced by the stars whose light it intercepted. Its course for a minute or two was northwest, thence it veered to the north, and as it rose to the great upper current, it took an eastward direction, which course it was pursuing when last observed. It was one of the most successful ascensions we have ever seen, without hindrance or delay, and under the most favorable circumstances. What the descent may have been, we have yet to learn. And finally, it seems some secessionists have proposed to pay their debts in a novel way. When the publishers of the Daily Commercial presented J.D. Morton and Company of Memphis, Tennessee with an advertising bill, they returned it with the following message. Dear Sir, your request will be attended after the close of your war. Exchange on the North is now very high. We'll pay double the amount in our currency if personal application is made at our office. <laughs> oh, well, they're sure to lose the war. It's good to see the South has not lost their sense of humor. <laughs> We're going to burn them to the ground, Murray. For the Cincinnati Daily Commercial, I'm Murray Halstead. And I'm Gwendolyn Richards. And this has been your Queen City Bulletin. Oh.